Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Fiverr's earnings conference call for the third quarter that ended September 30th, 2023. Joining me on the call today are Miha Kaufman, founder and CEO, and OfferCats president and CFO. Before we start, I would like to remind you that during this call, we may make forward-looking statements and that these statements are based on our current expectations and assumptions as of today, and Fiverr assumes no obligation to update or revise them. A discussion of some of the important risk factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from any forward-looking statements can be found under the risk factors section in Fiverr's most recent Form 20F and other filings with the SEC. During this call, we'll be referring to some key performance metrics and non-GAAP financial measures, including adjusted EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA margin. Further explanation and a reconciliation of each of the non-GAAP financial measures to the most directly comparable GAAP measures is provided in the earnings release we issued today in our shareholder letter, each of which is available on our website at investors.fiverr.com. And now, I will turn the call over to Miha. Thank you, Brian. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Q3 was another strong quarter as we continue to accelerate our revenue growth and drive EBITDA margin expansion. Both revenue and adjusted EBITDA came at the top end of our guidance range. A number of factors drove the strong performance. The cohorts in our core market base continue to stabilize from the COVID growth spikes, and our push-up market has allowed us to grow spend per buyer at a strong pace. Finally, healthy growth in our value-added services contributed to our take rate of over 31%. All of this was extremely well executed with continued expense discipline which is reflected in the strong delivery of our adjusted EBITDA margin. These results underscore the power of our business model and the progress we are making to solidify our position as the global leader of freelancing workspaces. This, together with the strength and resilience of the Fiverr team, allows us to focus, adapt, and thrive amid external changes. As you all know, Israel went through a horrific attack a month ago. Our first priority has been to help our employees, their families, and the Fiverr community and support those the deadly attacks impacted. As some of our employees are being called up, we are ensuring their families will get what they need while they are on the front lines. As a company, we are quickly adapting so that we continue to operate and execute at the highest level of focus and consistency thanks to our hybrid operation that's already in place. Since we laid out our strategy focus this year to strengthen our core market base and accelerate our pace to push up market, we have been working on knocking down barriers that prevent buyers from shopping more often and fulfilling more complex projects. We know that Fiverr's unique transaction model and global access to talent provide great convenience and access to our customers that are unmatched anywhere else. But there are also pain points, such as the difficulty 
of finding the best talent among so many choices, the uneasiness when a project is only partially scoped, or the headache when a project requires coordination between multiple freelancers. This is why we created products such as Fiverr Neo, Fiverr Enterprise, and the project planning service in Fiverr Pro to address those issues. The vision for Fiverr Neo is quite wild. We imagine Neo will serve as a personalized recruiting expert that can help our customers more accurately scope their projects and get matched with freelance talent, just like a human recruiter, only with more data and more brain power. What we have done so far is leveraging the existing LLM engines to allow customers to express their project needs in natural language, which Neo will synthesize and define the scope before matching the client with a short list of choices pulled from the entire Fiverr freelance database. It's a substantial step forward from the existing experience and streamlines the time the customer needs to make an informed decision. To improve the experience further, we continue incorporating cutting-edge technology into our production to advance the algorithm and provide a much faster processing speed. We already see thousands of customers utilizing the service and early results show a positive impact on match quality and delivery. On the Fiverr business solution side, we are targeting higher end customers, expanding our wallet share and expanding our product suite to accommodate more use cases that are sometimes difficult to execute through a typical market-based order. When a customer comes through the funnel without a well-defined project scope, sometimes they need a domain expert to help carry out a specific function of the business, say a social media market expert. Sometimes they have a vaguely scoped project with an evolving roadmap, say building a complex mobile app. In both cases, they are looking for freelance to engage for an extended period of time. This is where Fiverr Enterprise comes in. Through Fiverr Enterprise, clients can manage an ongoing engagement with a pool of freelance talent, continuously update tasks and project milestones, and ongoing budget management and payment tools. This allows us to address the freelancing need of larger businesses that otherwise might be stuck with the complexity of creating detailed scope for open-ended goals at the beginning of the project. Finally, in Fiverr Pro, we are seeing great traction for the newly introduced Project Partner Service. Since its launch last year, we've seen many business customers utilizing the service to fulfill significantly larger projects. We've further expanded the offering to include separate project planning and project management services to cater to a wider range of businesses. The project planning offering is a popular option among customers who need help with scoping and staffing, and we have found that most customers who use the project planning capabilities end up utilizing the full project management capabilities as well. 
As you can see, there have been a lot of exciting developments at Fiverr this year. Leveraging the flywheel of our marketplace built over the years, we are taking our business to the next level with new products and services that cater to a wider range of customers and their needs. There is tremendous potential for us to expand our customer base and grow their wallet share with us, and we should be able to build on these opportunities in the years ahead. With that, I'll turn the call now to offer who will walk you through our financial highlights. Thank you, Micha, and good morning, everyone. We delivered another quarter of strong results driven by the resilience of our cohort, our recent upmarket effort, as well as growth in our value-added seller services. Revenue was $92.5 million, representing a year-over-year growth of 12.1%. Adjusted EBITDA was $16.5 million, or 17.9% in adjusted EBITDA margin. Both were at the top end of our guidance range. For the second quarter in a row, we have also achieved gap profitability thanks to our ongoing effort in improving our operational efficiency. All of this demonstrated the impact of the strategy we set at the beginning of the year, the strong execution of our team, as well as the strength of our business model. Our annual active buyer were at 4.2 million and spent per buyer improved to $271, up 4% year over year, and a $6 increase from Q2. Our Fiverr business solution continues to make a meaningful progress as we add more partners to certified and onboard customers to our premium marketplace, Fiverr Pro. This effort helped to drive the accelerated pace of our spend per buyer increase as our buyer base continues to evolve towards higher quality, higher budget demographies. We continue to maintain strong efficiency and unit economics in our performance marketing. This quarter, our TROI for performance marketing remains very stable at slightly over three months. On a longer time basis, our lifetime value to CAC over three years remains healthy at over 3x and for five years exceeds 4x. We expect to continue to invest as efficiently as possible as we push forward on our upmarket efforts and focus our investment on higher value buyers. Our Q3 take rate improved to 31.3%, representing a year-over-year expansion of 130 basis points as we increase seller monetization of promoted gigs and seller plus. We continue to expand and optimize our ad placement for promoted gigs, while Seller Plus benefited from the introduction of our two-tier pricing model that we launched a year ago. We are excited to report that Seller Plus subscribers have now reached 25,000, more than double from the end of last year. Our improving take rate signifies the value that we are able to provide for our freelancers, and we continue to develop additional tools to help them grow their businesses. Now turning to guidance. In the immediate weeks after the onset of the war, we experienced some volatility in our marketplace, 
primarily from buyers and sellers in countries in the region. This volatility has already created a headwind to revenue this quarter. While some of this volatility has subsided, the risk of it increasing again remains, and we have incorporated the risk into our outlook for the remainder of the year. As such, for the full year of 2023, we are maintaining our revenue guidance in the range of 358 to 365 million, representing a year-over-year growth of 6 to 8%. We are raising the adjusted EBITDA range to be 58 to 60 million, representing an adjusted EBITDA margin of 16.3% at the midpoint. This implies fourth quarter revenue guidance of 88.1 to 95.1 million, representing a year-over-year growth of 6 to 14%, reflecting the increased uncertainty for the remainder of the year. We expect adjusted EBITDA guidance of 14.9 to 16.9 million, representing an adjusted EBITDA margin of 17% at the midpoint for the fourth quarter. That said, just as how we have navigated our business through a series of macro conditions in the past few years, we are confident in our ability to continue executing with the strongest disciplined focus and a long-term thesis of our business and strong market-leading position remain intact. With that, we now turn the call over to the operator for questions. As a reminder to ask a question, please press star 1-1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, please press star 1-1 again. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from the line of Ron Josie from City. Great. Thanks for, thanks for taking the question, and I'd be remiss if the First thing out of my mouth wasn't to say we're thinking about you all and the team over there, given all of the events. Um, and, and so would love to hear more just how things are going from an operations perspective. Over, you talked about the revenue headwind that subsided since the start. Any insights on there would be really helpful. And, and again, we're, we, we can't not think about you all. And then from a Fiverr Neo perspective, despite all this, Neo rollouts just continue to gain speed. And so, Micha, if you can just talk to us a little bit more about what you're seeing there, about some of the early wins and, and the roadmap would be great. Thank you. Good morning, Ron. Uh, thank you for, uh, for the first uh, note and, and the question. Um, so, first of all, I think what, what we called out um, is what we've seen uh, since the events uh, of October 7th is that we, we have seen some volatility in the region. Um, as an example, um, sellers in Israel have, have seen weakness in their business for the first two weeks um, since October 7th. And at this point, uh, mostly that have subsided. Um, so we, we see that element um, is being pretty stabilized right now, but with some factor of uncertainty, uh, depending on how um, how things will evolve um, in this region. Uh, in, in terms of uh, Fiverr Neo, uh, we're, uh, we're very pleased uh, with the rollout. 
um, obviously very, very young um, product, uh, but we're seeing over 100,000 uh, users that are trying um, the, uh, the, the product. And what we're seeing from their experience is that we're able to uh, provide more accurate matches, which is basically what we wanted to do, and have a higher um, engagement and satisfaction levels, which we're very happy with, and the, the beginning of a repeat uh, usage of, of the product. So there's a lot of uh, learning um, as we build this product, and um, what we're doing is, is really a hybrid of technologies. Um, some of them are being developed by us. Um, some are off the shelf. You know, the, the, most of the leading um, uh, leading companies that that um, are developing LLM, which have partnered with us, um, and we're, we're putting this to to the maximum. Uh, I think a lot of these. Uh, systems are not yet optimized for large scale and uh, high performance, but we find um, our own ways of uh, developing a lot of this technology to provide a very um, smooth experience to our customers. And again, the uh, the feedback that we're getting from them is is extremely positive. Thank you, Mika. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Doug and Muth from JP Morgan. Thanks for taking the questions. And of course, just want to echo Ron's thoughts as well, thinking about all of you at Fiber. Um, two questions. Uh, just can you talk more about Fiber Pro and just how customers are using the platform differently? And if you could, if there's a way to perhaps quantify some of the increased spending that you're seeing there compared to in the marketplace. And then um, secondly, you continue to make really good progress on take rate, um, any way that you can help us understand is how you think about the headroom and opportunity around promoted gigs and seller plus, uh, especially as you continue to expand uh, kind of availability there. Thank you. Thank you, Doug, and, uh, and good morning. So on, on Fiverr Pro, maybe maybe I'll start and, uh, you know, Ofer can, can chime in. Um, essentially, the, the way we've uh, build Fiverr Pro is really to um, tackle a number of different needs. One is the need for vetted talent. So people that have more experience and have a better portfolio of existing work and, and the notable clients that, that comes with it. So our clients that are uh, using this product are by definition um, quality centric. So um, th that is one of the, uh, the, the reason uh, why they're using it. However, on top of that, we're um, offering a number of um, added value um, features that, that comes with being a, a, a pro uh, customer uh, that they love as well. Um, and and we've, I think we've spoke about this uh, before, but we keep extending these features. So the ability to work, to work as a team um, on the platform, the uh, ability to uh, um, to do uh, 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 budget management, um, to uh, um, have a more sophisticated types of, of projects getting done if you uh, do require someone to actually manage the project for you. There's 
uh, there's an option to have a project manager uh, to run those projects. So, so by definition, those customers that are using this product um, are have a have of larger needs. Um, they need uh, more experienced um, uh, freelancers or agencies, and therefore uh, they're also uh, spending more and retaining better. Um, as, as for the uh, the second question on on take rate, so basically, you know, we, we it uh, it's the one question I think uh, we continue um, to get since we took the company public. Um, and essentially what we said is we do see uh, headroom for, uh, for, for growth. Um, in every product that, we, that, that we've launched and offer mentioned that in the opening statement is growing. Uh, promoted listings is, is one of them. Uh, Seller Plus is, is another. And this has been this has been really uh, uh, adding uh, to the take rate we, we've had four years ago and how it has been steadily growing since then, which is exactly what we said is going to happen. So the message remains. Essentially, uh, you know, we, we believe that there is more opportunity to continue investing and um, expanding uh, these offerings, and, and we see that uh, the, the more we do it, the, the better gains uh, we get from these products. Thank you, Miha. Thank you. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Jason Helfstein from Oppenheimer. Uh, thanks for the question, and again, uh, sending support and thinking of everyone over there. Um, can you help us understand, I mean, you've got like, I guess, kind of three factors, right? One is just the, you know, the COVID, you know, the the, the COVID roll-off. The second is just, just some of the just general weakness we're seeing um, in the economy with SMBs. And then the third is all the progress you're making kind of moving up market. I mean, is there a way, I mean, at some point we'd love if you broke out, you know, the, the, the kind of non-SMB business, but just maybe help us understand kind of where we are in that, and do you think you've seen the bottom on the SMB side? Thank you. Thank you, Jason, and, and good morning. Um, I, I think uh, you're correct to uh, to list the, those uh, different factors. As, as, you know, at this point, we haven't seen any major change that we can call out. Meaning, I mean, COVID effect is is, is pretty much uh, locked, um, which also had us enter a new era of, of remote work, which is now, you know, uh, being challenged as, as people are being called to uh, back to the office. Um, what we're seeing with the with the general uh, economy, the, the weakness around SMBs um, as a result of macro has been pretty steady, meaning it is it, it is not becoming worse, but it is not coming it is not becoming better. And this is why many quarters ago we, we said that as a strategy, we are investing in going up market and 
acquiring or entertaining customers who the macro environment impacts less. And if you, if you follow the numbers and you follow the growth of these cohorts, you will see that we're, we're making great steps um, in, in increasing their portion. You know, the, the, the cores that we acquire uh, today are very different than the cohorts we've acquired a year ago. They, they, you know, to the point where they, they spend about 20% more in their first purchase when they join us, which is massive. And then their lifetime behavior is, is much, much different. Some of it is thanks to what we're doing with Fiber Pro, which has a you know, m- multiple spend per buyer um, than our average. But it's also how we how we find and engage with with these customers. So so this has, has allowed us to to really make uh, a step forward, and, and we're seeing that in the spend per buyer as well. Um, but we haven't we haven't we haven't seen any material change um, in 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 those trends so far, and we're just reiterating the fact that. We believe that when the market will start recovering, we will have tremendous opportunities for growth. Um, it is it is yet to come. Thanks for the call. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Eric Sheridan from Goldman Sachs. Thanks so much for taking the question. Maybe one following on um, Jason's. When you think about the demand environment and turning it back to incremental margins and investments to stimulate growth, you've made a lot of progress this year on margins uh, on a very consistent basis. How do you think about the balance of investing in growth as you see signals of a stable to rising environment versus elements of continuing to produce uh, very solid incrementals in the business on the margin side going forward? Maybe thinking about in terms of key investments that need to be made and what signals you're looking for to possibly turn on some of the demand investments on the cost side. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Aris. Good morning. So, you know, essentially, I, again, I want to reiterate our approach as a business. We are a growth company, and we, we double down on growth when growth um, is, is, is a good option. And essentially, you know, the, the, the way we manage the business is we're pushing for the rule of 40. It's, it's that simple, right? So, um, you know, we're optimizing growth and profitability profile and, and, and putting a sustainable path to maximizing long-term shareholder value. Right now, it seems that it's more on the cohorts of mid, mid-sized businesses and up and less on the uh, micro-businesses uh, and the very small businesses, which is why you know we've we've been doubling down there, and and bear in mind as well that e- even though we we can um, you know uh, theoretically invest more in um, in smaller businesses right now because of the dynamics of macro, the efficiency of our marketing spend would get hurt, which I don't think is going to serve anyone not us and not the shareholders uh, for, for the long term, which is why we're resisting the temptation of actually doing that. Um, right now, the sentiment is such where to 
keep the extremely efficient machine that we have. And, and again, you can see that in the very short ROI, and you, you can see that in the growing LTV to cap ratios over time, that this strategy actually works. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think that uh, just to augment on what Micha said, I think that we have uh, proven to, um, to improve margin in a sunny day uh, and a rainy day. And I think the plan is to continue this path. Um, there is a, a long-term EBITDA uh, margin ahead of us, and we're getting there. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Matt Farrell from Piper Sandler. Thanks, guys, for letting me ask the question. Two, if I may. Uh, the first one, uh, the Q4 guidance range is much wider than you normally provide for a given quarter. and You kind of hinted at the uncertainty you're seeing. Could you walk us through the assumptions uh, or just how to think about you getting to the high end of the range and, and what would happen to get to the low end of the range? And my second question is, I know you're not going to provide any quantitative commentary on next year, but would love to hear some of the strategic priorities for 2024 across the various parts of the business. Thanks. Uh, so, um, uh, thank you, Matt, on the question. I think on the um, on the first part, on the guidance, um, you know, we, we, we noted uh, the volatility that we've been seeing uh, the first few weeks of this quarter, and uh, we guide based on the assumption that the risk of volatility will retain into the uh, uh, into the next few weeks. So based on that, um, you know, it, it, it might be that um, uh, it might be that uh, volatility will create headwind uh, or the other way. And based on the uncertainty, uh, we kind of um, uh, increase the um, increase the range to make sure that. Um, investor get the full picture of what we are seeing. Um, and the operating plan uh, has been adjusted accordingly. Um, you know, in terms of the, uh, you know, the 2024 has even, uh, you know, wider uncertainty because, you know, there's still a, a way to go. Um, and we obviously, you know, we speak about numbers uh, early next year. And I let uh, Micha to go through the, the strategic profile of uh, 2024. Yeah. So on on priorities for 2024, um, I, I would say that a, a lot of what we what we've been doing throughout the years have been have been paying off well. Um, and there's a, a few specific things uh, when it comes to next year. Um, so, you know, co continuing on, on my, my previous comments, given the macro environment, going up market is a strategic move and target for us. And at least until macro changes, th this, is, this is a center of focus. The other one that I can call out is, is AI integration, both internally as a, as a team and how it makes us move faster, more efficient, but also in our product to make the lives of our customers uh, better. Um, and get what they they're trying to uh, to do faster. 
on, on the same note, pretty much, catalog expansion is, is extremely important as, as we're seeing so many different, you know, so, so many new areas um, of professionalism appear as, as, uh, as the landscape changes. And so continuing to, to expand the catalog and, and ensure that we, um, th that we add the, the necessary uh, categories and skills to the catalog is, is, is important. International expansion is another one. I think 2023 has been very successful in that front. And we, we've been, I think, I think the playbook or the playbooks that we've, that we've been developing um, have been paying off and we're seeing, we're seeing regions where we're doubling down, growing much faster uh, than the average growth of the market base. Um, team excellence, um, is, is, an, is an ongoing in investment. Um, and lastly, I, I would just generally call um, uh, consistently, you know, looking for growth opportunities, both organically and inorganically. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes on the line of Kunal Madhukar from UBS. Hi, thank you for taking my questions. Uh, two, if I could. One, on the take rate. Given uh, you know, your uh, focus towards going up market and the increasing adoption of NEO, how do you think that impacts the take rate insofar as uh, it relates to uh, promoted gigs or, uh, or seller plus? Uh, and then uh, in terms of volatility on the revenue side, can you help us understand you are a global company? And, and so is, is, is demand, uh, you know, across the globe kind of volatile or is it in specific areas? And similarly on the seller side, is the supply uh, uh, affected across the globe or is it just in specific areas? Thank you. Uh, thank you. Good morning. So, um, if I understand the, uh, the the question about take rate, uh, as, as I, I said earlier, it is sustainable uh, as, as we've been proving quarter after quarter, with with uh, with no exceptions, um, and and there is there is still upside. Uh, you called out promoted gigs and seller plus. Both are a growing programs. Um, and they keep growing uh, quarter after quarter. So um, I, I don't think I'm not sure what's the connection to Neo, but but, but essentially um, we we don't see um, them shrinking or being impacted by the new technologies. And and obviously there, there's there's ways of integrating uh, promoted gigs uh, and solutions like that within. Um, our new product as well. Um, in terms of, of, of the second uh, the second question uh, about volatility on, on revenue, you know, we're a global company, and, and, and that is correct. And and obviously, um, some regions, as, as as a result of of, uh, of war activities, and we you know we we've seen the same with Ukraine before. And we're seeing it now in the Middle East um, become volatile. And sometimes it's it's very short periods of time, and sometimes it's slightly longer. This is why we called it out, um, and it, and we said that most most of this has been 
has been uh, has been subsided. Um, however, since you know wars by definition are dynamic events, um, it is it is really hard to uh, um, hard to uh, forecast how this would evolve, and this is why we're putting a bit uh, of, of cautious um, in, into into anything. Thank you. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Andrew Boone from JMP Securities. Good morning, guys. Um, I'd also just like to echo my thoughts over thinking about you. Um, on take rates, understood that that's a trailing 12-month metric, and it stepped up almost a point in the last two quarters. And so is there anything that you guys can disclose in terms of the take rate as it sat in 3Q23? Meaning, did, did we have a significant step up and we're plateauing from here, but we'll see it in the figures as that trailing 12 months catches up to 3Q? Or how do we think about just the, the increase of the last couple quarters and then how do we play that going forward? Uh, so, uh, Andrew, this is often, uh, I think we mentioned that um, uh, Indri prepared remarks. Um, the take rate is driven by promoted gigs and seller plus. Those are the two different programs that we are expanding uh, for a few, over a few quarters now. Uh, Micha mentioned earlier that seller plus um, have more than 25,000 subscribers, which is uh, more than more than double uh, the number of subscribers uh, subscribers we we had end of last year. So, so I think on on both of these programs, the uh, thing a very good retention. Um, under the seller plus, you know, we now run two two different fields, uh, 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 two different of, uh, offering, uh, different pricing. And I think the the plan on both programs of Seller Plus and Promoted Gig is to further expand because there is a room. Uh, you know, we just um, open the uh, Promoted Gigs into into mobile, so there is there is more asset for us to monetize again, and there is more value to assist seller on the marketplace to better monetize um, their skills and time. Uh, which is why the adoption, the adoption rate, and the retention is, um, uh, is is steady and growing, and we plan to expand it over uh, the next few quarters. Thanks for that. And then I wanted to ask about brand marketing specifically. Um, how do you guys just launched a new U.S. campaign? How do we think about brand marketing as a component of sales and marketing, and how that has trended? just given the more difficult macro environment. Thanks so much. Thank you. Um, so we, for many reasons, mostly competitive, we're not providing a, a, an accurate breakdown between brand and performance marketing. However, as, as uh, evident in, in what we're doing around the world, uh, not just in the U.S., this is an area where, where we're definitely continuing to invest uh, it's it's a long-term investment, 
and one that goes hand in hand with performance. So, so to us, it's 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 really the funnel that supports you know performance uh, uh, supports the brand and the brand supports the performance. And this is why, depending on you know new categories that we enter, new areas of of, uh, of interest for us, trends in in the market, that that defines. Uh, how we break uh, break down between between brand and, and performance. I hope this gives a little bit of color. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our next question comes from the line of Marvin Fong from BTIG. Uh, great. Good morning. Um, thanks for taking my questions, and certainly hope everyone on the Fiverr team as well and stays that way. Um, question, I guess, just to uh, pile on here on take rate. Um, you know, big jump this quarter, and like Andrew observed, it is a trailing 12 months. But you know, should we? How how much of this uh, do you think is perhaps you know in tougher economic times? You know, freelancers are sort of doubling down on investing in their business. Um, do we see any signals of that? So, for instance, you know, was bidding prices up for promoted gigs, um, things of that nature, or um, any any thought there on perhaps kind of the counter-cyclicality of, of the value-added services uh, would be interesting? Sure. Um, thanks, Marvin. So I'll, I'll, I'll give it a very, very, very simple answer. Promoted gigs is an ROI-positive program since we launched it. It makes money for sellers. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's good times or bad times. You know, the impact they have is positive. And as long as it's positive, they will continue using it more and over time. And because of that, it, you know, it's in, in many ways, um, it is it is disconnected from uh, from you know the the economic the economical um, times. Um, I, I hope this addresses the. Uh, mm -hmm. the uh, sure. The, yeah, yeah. Understood. Uh, thanks. And then maybe my follow up. Uh, you know, a lot less talk on on AI this call. Um, and I guess I'll just lob a question in here. Um, you know, could you? Could you speak to anything about about the growth of that of the business? And I, I guess just interested. I, I know you won't give us anything specific, but you know, taken as a as a whole, you know, are these kind of categories related to AI that you've launched um, in the in let's call it the last year? You know, how you know has that become a you know a pretty measurable part of GMV? Um, any, any characterization of that would be would be great. Thanks. Sure. So, you know, I, I, I did address uh, uh, this also in, in how we how we think about next year and, and you know, the, the fact that, both, you know, AI both impacts the efficiency of how we work, allows us to uh, do uh, pretty incredible things in our product, um, and also has an impact, uh, positive impact on the categories that uh, we can introduce. Um, Again, we're not getting into specific uh, category uh, breakdown, but uh, you know what we're seeing 
you know what we're seeing on on um, on on the buyer side. Um, you know, I, I think we've introduced these categories. These categories uh, continue uh, continue growing. I think that a lot of the the hype that surrounded AI um, in in the beginning of the year uh, subsided, and right now it's really looking for the killer applications that could be developed with with AI, and and we're developing some of them, and, and our customers are um, as well. So th- these are definitely areas where we where we continue seeing growth, but not just that, but we continue investing in the catalog side to ensure that the new types of skills that pop up uh, are going to be addressed uh, on, on the fiber market base. Yeah, just to be clear, when I said let's talk about AI, I guess I meant questions from us self-fighters. I mean, you guys are doing... Yeah, well, I, I think, yeah, you're... Uh, just uh, didn't want to short, short shrift you on AI. So thanks for that, Miha. Uh, yeah, um, that's all I had. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. One moment for our next question. Our final question comes from the line of Rohit Kulkarni from Roth MKM. Uh, hey, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking my questions. Uh, and again, kudos to you and your team uh, for the level of resilience that you've demonstrated uh, through these times. Um, uh, two questions. One, uh, just a big picture, and probably kind of skinning the stake rate cat in a in a different direction. Um, uh, pardon the pun here, but I guess um, a big picture. As in, there are uh, internet marketplaces with uh, advertising and subscriptions. Um, that are clearly well developed. Um, we have seen uh, subscription uh, penetration up to 40, 50 percent of uh, active users. Um, we have seen advertising penetration up to 10% of uh, uh, global uh, volume of that marketplace. Um, I guess we'd love to hear uh, kind of your thoughts around where you are right now uh, internally, looking at those metrics um, at Fiverr, and what are the puts and takes uh, of uh, Fiverr's marketplace to evolve into um, having a much more significant uh, uh, penetration in advertising and subscription, because perhaps that kind of goes back to the um, multiple questions on take rate um, uh, on this call. So that that's one question. And then uh, tactically speaking, um, uh, how important is it uh, for you to grow uh, buyers um, uh, uh, on the platform right now over the next three, six uh, months or so? Um, and then what is it uh, um, tactically that uh, you're doing differently versus uh, uh, probably over the last nine months? Thank you, Rohit. Thanks for the questions. Um, so, as, as to uh, as to the first question, I, I would say the, I, I would say the following. Um, first, these these are still products that are being evolved, and they continue growing. Um, it is it is uh, important to also know that if if that is being compared to other market bases where the component of of uh, promoted is much higher than if you if you would follow uh, the makeup of their revenues, you, you would notice that their transactional component is far far lower than ours. 
meaning that when when you make the the majority of your take rate uh, from the transactional component, then the expectation that you would be able to match this on on promoted um, is is unreasonable. Uh, and in, in in the marketplaces where the component of of promoted is much higher, then the take rate is is tiny in comparison to ours. So so this has some explanation for the ratio between those two. Having said that, there is obviously uh, more room to grow these uh, these uh, offerings as they've been growing um, so far. Um, in terms of uh, you know the, the importance of growing buyers on our platform, as I've said, we we are a growth company and we are focused on delivering growth. Now there's there's the, you know there's the balance of, of quantity and quality, and this has a lot to do with the opportun- the opportunities that the, the the market and the economy is providing to us. And as we said, the the focus is less on quantity and more on quality. It doesn't mean that we don't want far more and we're optimizing everything, the product and our marketing to do that. But it means that in this economy, in this environment, we're very much focused on the quality of our customers. Again, if, if you look at, at, uh, at an indicator like spend per buyer, you see that spend per buyer is increasing pretty dramatically um, and um, we believe uh, will continue to. And when when the environment um, would would shift, as I've said, I think we're going to see tremendous opportunity uh, for growth across all segments um, of the market. Okay, thank you, thank you. Good answers. Thank you. I would now like to turn the conference back over to management for closing remarks. Thank you, uh, Gigi, for moderating today's call. And to everyone who joined the call today, I'm wishing all of us much better and more peaceful times. Have a great day.